0: It's the Addicts Comedy Podcast, with your hosts, millennial heroin addict, Andy Gold, and baby boomer alcoholic, Curtis Matthews, two comedians with long-term recovery and marginally useful insight. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and nothing said here should be construed as medical advice. Curtis and Andy are not trained clinicians or even very intelligent. Now, Please enjoy the ramblings of these two big butter-filled fat sluts.
1: Another exciting edition of the Attic's Comedy Podcast, broadcasting as always from The serene and peaceful environment of Lower Knob Hill. Please don't mind the loud dump truck that just drove by. But uh, we're certainly used to that by now. The dump truck's not that bad. It's not hitting one of the many hills and rumbling and rolling and creating all kinds of noises of unrest and unsettlement and destruction. That was just a, just a pleasant hum.
0: It always reminds me to take a dump, actually. I'm going, oh, there's a dump truck. Yeah, I should... I should take care of business.
1: Now you think that's a little bit edgy for your cruise ship act? That's a poo joke. I, I don't know. I think I might be able to get away with that one. I think you can do fart stuff, but I, poo is a little too graphic. There's no, uh, there's no visual that's attached to a fart joke, but a poo joke makes you actually think of poo. Okay, well, I'm going to ask
0: my buddies that work cruises then if I can do it or not. It's a good, another good question to ask. Okay. What if you could put that in Google. Can you do poo jokes on a cruise ship?
1: No, if you try to do that, you'll just get a bunch of comedy nerds who uh, give their opinions on what it's like to work a cruise ship. Like that ship. guy
0: yesterday that asked me about comedy condos. That guy was real hip. He yeah, knew about comedy condos. Those
1: people are annoying. I don't like them. I don't like comedy heads. Um, I don't even like it when people say good set. Mm. I'm like, uh, uh, you're a little too familiar with the jargon. <laughs> yeah, just... Is that if they use the word set? Yeah, yeah. Too I much just, jargon? I just don't think those people are trustworthy.
0: Okay, well, what do you think they're doing? Are they planning your demise, or... No,
1: they just sort of think of themselves as sort of amateur Roger Eberts in the arena of stand-up comedy. And... uh I also think that they might be trying to force a friendship or something like that. Huh. Well, like, you know,
0: Roger Ebert died a horrible death, so I don't know why you brought him up.
1: That's that's depressing. Um, I brought him up because he was a film critic, and these guys think they're comedy critics. I,
0: I know, I know what you're trying to do with that, but wow. I don't think these guys look like Roger Ebert.
1: Oh, and I'm not saying they look like him. Oh, I'm okay. saying they fancy themselves as being critics like him. Got gotcha. you, Curtis. You see the connection? No, no, Usually, not, not yeah. this
0: morning. I'm not making any connections.
1: Yeah, you're uh, you're pretty grumpy this morning, as per usual. Mm-hmm. Um, I just even sick. though I opened up the morning with an apology, I felt like I was a little harsh on your uh, hopeless nicotine addiction <laughs> last night. I uh, walked home, and it was a nice cloudy haze in the room where I'm sleeping. But you know, it That's is from your, the fire. No, it's from your cigarettes for sure. Okay. I know the difference between the campfire smell and cigarette smell.
0: I haven't seen any um, campfire girls,
1: but you know what, dude. You, you got a hopeless addiction. There's uh, pretty much no light at the end of the tunnel for you, and I think I should treat it with a little bit more compassion. All right. I appreciate that, Andy. You're welcome. So you don't need me teasing you when you only you know, got five to ten years left to live. You need a little bit of kindness. All right. Thanks, And Steve. a little bit of warmth. So moving okay. forward. Sounds great. I'll try to be less of a dickhead.
0: Uh, that, I don't think that's possible, but I, I appreciate your attempt.
1: All right, what you looking at on your phone there? No, Chris? nothing. I, I was just—I was got staring. I was staring at
0: this little device that you got that apparently doesn't work. And uh, you know, uh, where did you get this? Did you get this at Target? This no, I got that connector? at Best Buy. You know, there's an Apple store like block and a half away. Maybe they would have it.
1: No, they would not. I read about it. So what it is is it's a uh, SD card reader mm-hmm. that I was hoping to be able to plug into my iPhone so I can stop using your computer to send these audio files over. Mm-hmm. Because every time I try to use your computer, you get all butt hurt and throw a fit. So I got that to save you any heartache. But it only works with with photos and videos. Mm. Now, there is an SD card reader that will work for audio files, but Apple does not make one. It's an aftermarket one. Oh, it's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to send that back to Best Buy. I'm going to march on down. You think another Best Buy will accept it? Yeah, of course. Okay get my money back hopefully they give me that straight cash and they don't give me any store credit what do you think
0: they'll do i don't know man i don't okay. know you got me best Buy's usually pretty good when it comes to returning stuff and be, right. being legit like you are
1: my question is what are you gonna do when i'm gone you've already watched narcos
0: yeah well oh for over the holidays are you leaving over the holidays
1: what are you doing i'm talking about today
0: Oh, what will I do? Um, I got business to take care of, so I'll just be doing some online email and talking to people and bringing joy to America and getting ready for uh, Thanksgiving.
1: When you watch that show, Narcos, I wonder, is that a a good show for some of our audience to listen to who just are barely getting clean, or is that going to be triggering for them?
0: I, I, You never know what's triggering for anybody in particular, but, you know, cocaine wasn't my thing, or weed, so, you know. When I watched it, I just think it was interesting, you know. I'm like, oh, that's interesting and historical, even though, you know, they've embellished some stuff and made some stuff up. But still, yeah. I, I, I found it enjoyable and interesting to watch.
1: I watched season one, and it was really, really good. Um, I did every drug under the sun. Heroin, as you know, was my drug of choice. There's not a lot of heroin use in it, so I don't really go down the, uh, the bad parts of memory lane on it. I will say this, though. Sometimes... Even now, with nine years clean, when a movie has an explicit scene of heroin use, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not totally comfortable watching it. Well, like
0: Train Spotting or something.
1: Yeah, I, I haven't watched Train Spotting since I got clean. Yeah. Even when I'm scrolling Netflix and it's right there, even though I know it's a good piece of filmmaking, like it's a good movie, uh, I'll not watch it just because. Uh, but even uh, say Breaking Bad, which was the last show that really took me in and I loved. There was a scene that was just heroin use. It was uh, Jesse's girlfriend, and it just, like, showed the process of shooting heroin. They melted it down in the spoon. She showed him, like, what to do with the filters to get it into the syringe. I'm like, oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seems like a lot. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, making the bad memories super, super vivid.
0: I think for and me, watching Narcos, uh, they were
1: smoking a lot of cigarettes, so that made me go, oh,
0: man, cigarettes look delicious. And Mexican girls, so... Those are those are probably my trigger, triggers. Uh, there's like all those nice Latinas in there, and you're like, man, that reminds me, I should hang out with more Latinas.
1: Uh huh. And do you think the reason you're smoking so much is because out of cigarettes and uh, nice Latino women, cigarettes are the only one you can possibly obtain? Oh boy. And you're doing that to overcompensate your inability to bring a loving, caring <laughs> Listen, woman of any race into uh, your life. Uh, so,
0: I'm 25% Mexican. I think I have a better chance than you, Andy, of, of scoring a Latina.
1: Where are they at, Jack? I don't see okay, any. Okay, you know
0: what? I, I They can't come over because i got a big, fat, buttery-filled Mormon in my front room. I'd
1: be happy to give you guys some space.
0: Excellent. Well, I'll let you know then. Yeah. It's, it's going to be every night from now on. Me and, uh, me and little Anna. That'll be her name, Anna. Not Anna May. That's our friend. It's uh-huh. Be, uh, yeah, yeah that's
1: to... uh, your friend that invited us to her cult last night. The, the, the Rotary Club they...
0: isn't a cult, Andy.
1: Well, all I know is they said... Pledge of Allegiance, then sang a song, and then sang a song to us, to welcome us there, after romanticizing us with free food, trying to... I know how cults you know what? work, dude. I don't think
0: My Country Tis of Thee is a cult classic. I don't think it indoctrinates you. Yeah,
1: but the song, Welcome, Friends, How Are You? Welcome to us today. Well, it, re- it almost
0: reminded me of the Marx Brothers, which is interesting, because those people knew the Marx Brothers. That's how old they were. Remember when I threw that stuff out? What'd you guys think of W.C. Fields? They're like, ah, how about Buster Keaton? There, there was an old crowd, man.
1: Yeah, that was right up, crowd. right up your alley, dude. That's why you did so well. Oh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> All right. Um, the reason I want to talk about Narcos, though, is that uh, it leads pretty nicely into the topic I have prepared for the podcast today, which, as we both know, is uh, what I do. I do 100% of the work to make sure this podcast flows nicely and it sounds good. <laughs> And that uh, we have topics prepared. Oh boy! Uh, all well, while the, combating your ADD and cantankerousness. Can, can I
0: say something? It, yes. It's really nice that you actually do the minimum that producers do uh, for a podcast, uh, as opposed to hey, let's just talk. I'm, uh, you know, I can't wait till we get guests, man, because I think we're starting to bore. I'm bored. You're boring me, so I can't imagine people that are listening to this how they're feeling.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So when we're watching uh, Narcos. Um, one thing it does do is kind of like Goodfellas. It makes that life look really, really exciting. Even though it's dangerous and, uh, full of stress, uh, there's a certain kind of, uh, romantic and, uh, glorious kind of energy to it. A lot of elements to it that are really, really appealing. Not that the average drug addict is anything like those people, uh, but it kind of reminds you of uh, being an active addiction or active alcoholism in the same way in that. Uh, do you ever feel guilty about missing that life? Do you ever miss it? And then do you ever feel guilty for missing it?
0: No, because, you know, just like that, just like that show, right? Uh, it all, it always ends in tragedy. It's right. It's not like, you know, you retire off into the sunset and everybody's happy and you've got a fulfilling, loving relationship. I mean, uh, you know, 98% of, like, the characters on there end up in jail or shot up. Or, uh, right. And the same thing was true about my alcoholism. It didn't end with me, you know, being a... Uh, I suppose I'm I'm grateful that I didn't become, like, a lifetime alcoholic, that just, you know... I mean, I was alcoholic but able to maintain. Um, so I'm kind of glad that I burned out. But that ended in tragedy, so I don't look at it and think, man, it would be great if I could... If I could continue drinking, because for me, there's an in place and that wasn't glamorous at all.
1: Yeah. Well, those I don't really look back on my my using days too much with that. Not when I not when I became like a real hardcore addict, but the really early days when it was just fun. Mm -hmm. uh, Sometimes those memories are still deceptive. Uh, The later years when I was a criminal and a junkie, I see those years exactly for what they were. But the early years, uh, before the hard drugs took hold and it was just partying and stuff like that, I think sometimes those memories tend to deceive me. And I just think of uh, the music and the fun and the parties and sort of the carefree... uh, Enjoyment that accompanied all you know, of those I experiences. I think that's human nature it, it, to kind of maybe gloss
0: over like the bad things that happen. I think people do that a lot in relationships. They don't think about you know the arguments and the uh, uh, the, the bad times. Uh, I mean, they they go back to the good times and the good feeling and kind of like wipe that away. I, mean, I, I don't know. It's like anything else. I think time heals us. Uh, you know, there were people in my life that, uh, for instance, my my step-grandfather, he was kind of an abusive, angry dude. Uh, but when I look back on my memories of him, I don't have, like, the terrible ones, but I know they're there. Uh, I mostly think of him being a nice guy. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe the human mind just does that because it's just easier to process or something. I don't know.
1: Well, I think the human mind does it, but I think the addict mind does it especially. Mm-hmm. The addict mind is a... Uh, <sighs> it's not always your best friend. There's the expression an addict by himself is in terrible company. Right. Um, I think without a good support system and a good program and a good group and stuff like that, if we're left just to our own mind and our own rationale, things can go downhill pretty fast for us. I, I, I'm not sure no, our, I, our I, mind I, is I, always our ally.
0: That's why, yeah, that's why we surround ourselves with people that have more time than us. And but, But I do know when I think about You know, I I never go into a situation where people are drinking and think, wow, I wish I could do that anymore. I mean, I look at it and immediately I go to, you know, I think about the arrest and the accident I had. And, you know, so I guess I'm lucky in that way. Um, But yeah, for people that are normal drinkers and normal drug users, God bless them. It'd be nice if it it could be fun for a person like us. But I don't think it ever can be. So I don't think we uh, risk it.
1: Yeah. Here's here's something interesting. So. Back when I was uh, running around, and tell me if this is the same for true. I found uh, fulfillment in the excitement of that life. At the time, in retrospect, it wasn't exciting at all. It was a pretty pitiful existence, but I thought it was kind of an exciting, cool outlaw sort of lifestyle, and I think that appeals uh, to a lot of junkies. And when you're talking to people who are just trying to get clean, uh, you can say you can find that fulfillment now in uh, things like it friendships and uh, relationships with family and uh, talents that you might have and things like that. And I think stuff like that might sound really, really boring to them. I haven't figured out a way to really uh, sell uh, recovery on people who are still caught up in the air quotes excitement of using well, the you. Well, you know, I,
0: I think it's uh it's one of those when it, where when the bad outweighs the good, that's when people uh, take action. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I think for us, right, it just seems like we have this longing inside of us and people call it a God sized hole or whatever it is. And we spend our whole lives and a lot of people do this, filling it up with stuff on the outside. If I had more money, I'd be happy. If I had a better relationship, I'd be happy. If I had a better job, I'd be happy. If I had, you know, more meaning, I would be happy. And everybody's looking for something on the outside to throw in. You know, uh, this thing in, into this big vacuous hole that uh, is never ending in terms of what it needs. And that's why, you know, people talk about the journey on the inside and filling yourself from the inside out. Meaning, you know, I got I got it. when you get to the place where you're like, I have everything I need, um, you know, uh, self-worth, self-love, self-acceptance. When I have all of that stuff, then the rest is a bonus. And, by, and the bonus being how much money you make, I suppose, and the relationship you're in if you choose to be in one. You know, I know a lot of people that are very content not being in relationships. They just know they're not cut out for them. And uh, uh, it's not that they don't they don't feel less than because somebody else isn't buying into their crap. They they like the freedom. Um, I know people that, uh, you know, they have really mediocre jobs and uh, that don't make a lot of money, but they're very content because they love their job and they love what they do. And they found a sense of serenity and peace. And you can see those people walking around, you know, you um, know. I don't know. So I just think for, for trying to fill yourself with me inside out. And it's always been weird to me because I'll give you an example. Las Vegas. Right. I used to go to Las Vegas as a kid. That's where my dad liked to go because that's where he relaxed. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't like an addicted gambler, but that's what he liked to do. He hung out with his buddies. He'd go watch horse racing. And and my, my brother and I grew up around Las Vegas. And I think when I started drinking, um, you know, I thought, wow, this is a really cool place that I can go get gacked out of my minds and I can gamble and all that stuff. And what cured me of gambling was i was booked out there for 5 weeks straight and i was living in this uh crappy uh i was doing work in the riviera comedy club and i was working this uh i was staying in this weird hotel room for 5 weeks you know what i mean mm. and i just realized that i didn't have a lot of money to gamble and that you know ultimately if you play long enough you're not going to win and although it's a nice time waster and uh it's uh it's fun to do uh to fill your time It's not really fulfilling. And so I was kind of cured of my gambling out there. But when I go to Vegas now, honestly, and this is the weirdest thing, and people ask me, well, why do you go to Vegas? Well, I don't drink, so I don't go and get drunk and make bad decisions about gamble. I don't like gambling uh, only because I realize, you know, statistically speaking, I'm not going to win. So when I go, I'll go to a show. I'll go to a pool. Um, I'll go to a, I'll go to a spa. I mean, I do all of this stuff that, uh, people that aren't losing thousands and thousands of dollars can take advantage of. And I actually enjoy my vacation because now there's hotels that are really quiet. So I'll go to a hotel and stand like the 40th floor and it's for adults, you know, and I, and I sleep and the bed's nice and I got, you know, everything I have that I would have at home. So I don't get caught up in Vegas, you know, but I see people. Uh, younger people, right? And God bless them because we did the same thing. I mean, they're out all night. Let's gamble. Let's keep gambling. It's three a.m. It's four a.m. It's five. Let's keep drinking. Let's keep gambling. And It's like, well, what's the end point? You know. So um, I don't know. I think we all learn at our own pace, but um, I think uh, it's it's interesting though going to Vegas now and not being triggered by anything. I'm like, there's you know, there's there's sex and food and gambling and all sorts of stuff around me, and I'm not like, oh, I want to participate. I'm like, I could if I want, but you know, there's a lot of really Great locals that live in Vegas that they never go to the strip. They're just regular people. That's a good Mormon town, actually. Vegas is a big Mormon and Italian uh, town, and people just go on with their lives. They don't get caught up in that crap that people go and do.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Mormons and the Italians both helped started organized crime in Vegas, and now they're just resting quietly as the place deteriorates. Down into outer darkness. I don't even know what you're talking about right now. I mean, you know, my dad. This is what my dad told me because he
0: remembers. He used to go. My dad got and mom got married in Vegas in 1949, and uh, you know uh, that only lasted 60 years. Uh, And the only reason why that broke up is my dad was selfish and died. Uh, But um, you know, Vegas was had this really uh, warm place for my dad. Just you know, he he enjoyed Las Vegas. But he said back when, like, organized crime was running, it was much nicer. You know, you got more perks and more. Then the corporations moved in. Yeah. So, yeah, the corporations are in there now. And although they do a fine job, I'm sure people long for the days when organized crime would take care of you. So, you know.
1: Well, that's certainly the days I long for. I never. (laughs) Yeah. I never experienced it, but it sounds glorious. Because you're a thug. Yeah. And to know that the brothers and sisters also had a stronghold down in Vegas and I could go and it's a big
0: Mormon community, which I thought is interesting. just kind of, you know,
1: Um, you know, Vegas isn't super triggering for me mostly because I don't know how to gamble. Um, I don't know even how the slot machines work. I've tried to sit down in front of them and I'm overwhelmed. The slot machine that I put the coin in at the diner down the street to where I got to win a free hamburger. Mm -hmm. You put the coin in, you pull the lever That's the limits of my uh, understanding on uh, mechanical gambling mechanisms. But now there's all kinds of buttons. I don't know what they mean. I don't know where to begin. I know how roulette works. You say, uh, I'll take a red or an odd number. I want the ball to land on an odd number, please. This
0: is terrible, Andy. You know what? What? What's terrible? Let, let's
1: talk about that slot machine there.
0: You didn't even know how it worked. You got to get three things in a row to win it. You got like a hamburger, some fries, and a coke. So you're gonna t-
1: give me a hamburger, fries, and
0: coke? That's <laughs> so you turn to the guy and go, "Do I win a hamburger, fries, and a coke?"
1: Yeah. God, you're an idiot. So, but no, but Vegas. This is what I was getting at. I want to learn how to play. My uh, friends down in L.A. They have like a card game where they play Texas Hold'em, mm-hmm. and I kind of figured that out, even though I was dreadful. Um, 21, I learn, but then I forget immediately. I'm lost. Too many numbers for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game I really want to learn is throw the dice across the long table. That's called craps, Andy. Because when you (laughs) win a lot at that, and all all of the movies, when you win a lot at that, that's when the babes come up to you. Oh, okay. Like, if you do good throwing those dice, that's when babes, (laughs) they love... Guys that throw the dice well at the uh, long table. I want to throw the dice at the long table, please. Every Vegas Vacation, uh, Empire Records, to name an obscure movie, a number of others, uh, Honeymoon in Vegas, you kill it at that game. And then some chesty babe comes mosey on up and puts her arm on your shoulder and she's like, oh... That turns them on, dude. Well, I, I actually
0: want to learn how to play Baccarat, because that's what James Bond played. And you have to you have to have like a million dollars to play,
1: I think. Baccarat?
0: Yeah, it's called Baccarat. Oh, it's got a T, not a K. That I sounds mean.
1: like some kind of penalty in cricket. I'm
0: happy to show you how to gamble, Andy. Next time we're in Vegas, I'll show you how to lose money like a champ.
1: All right. Let's um get a gig in Vegas, man. I'll tell you what we'll do.
0: You, you, you know what I say? I like how you say you don't gamble, and then... Um, you run these contracts uh, from venues by me that we could lose $2,600 immediately. That's gambling, Annie. I don't, I don't believe we've signed. Okay, well, I'm just saying that's gambling,
1: though. It's like, oh, will people show up for our gig? Well, this woman has been deceptive. <laughs> she has. <laughs> Every single right. time I meet with her, either in person or via email, mm-hmm. she has a new piece of costly information. Uh, the most dramatic being when she slid the paperwork across the table and said, and of course, a 22% service charge. Right. No, that's true. Yeah. And now a $1,500 deposit. And my personal favorite, an additional $1,500 for a stage to perform on.
0: Yeah, that was funny. A
1: piece of wood. Yeah. So I guess, you know, if we sell out both both shows and jack the prices to $50, we might make out okay on those gigs. You just can't trust the Bay Area people, man. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, You know. Um, Let's go ahead and go to commercial real quick.
0: Hey, everybody. If you're looking for a headliner, come down to recoverycomedy.com. Clean and sober headliners, not only the professional comics, they're also comedians that don't use drugs and alcohol. Does that make them more fun? I don't know, maybe. People frequently ask, hey, just because you don't drink drugs and alcohol, you think you're better than me? The truth is, yes, we do think we're better than you. So if you're looking for a recovering comic, go to recoverycomedy.com and talk to Rich. Send an email to rich at recoverycomedy.com. Use them for your NA, your AA, your CA, your SA, your SLAA, your OA, your EIEIO, whatever it is you got. Call
1: Rich and he'll get you a comedian. You can also use us for a smart recovery. Are we going to get new sponsors anytime soon? Uh, well, you would, uh, we're available. Yeah. I'll reach out to people. Once this podcast gets from some traction. Um, you know, we don't need to get a special voiceover person to do the uh, commercials either. We can just have you keep doing it. Uh, you also don't need to throw on the weird fake voice. I feel like I've told you that before. But if you insist, you can keep doing it. All right.
0: Do, 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 you, Some, do you know that I'm hurt right now? Yeah, I do. You know how much you pay me so, to do this? Nothing. And, and you know what? I'm just trying to make it fancy. That part of the podcast should be fancy, I think. Recovery comedy is awesome. And I think that part of the podcast should be fancy.
1: All right. Here is what I want to talk to you about, though. I prepared this this morning because it is recovery related. It's good content for our beloved listeners. It's something that will help you because last night I think I really made you sad.
0: You make me sad every day, Andy. I mean, I think these slings and arrows are just like the weight of them are actually starting to, to break through and hurt me.
1: I'm sorry, dude. I don't want to hurt you. It's all right, man. All right. You know, whenever I'm hurt, what helps me be unhurt? Yell at me no i don't I've never even raised my voice at you. all right. The way to hurt people is not to raise your voice. It's to stay calm because then people don't think you're just mad. You actually seem like you're really thinking about it, and hmm. then, then you sling the arrows.'re right of that. I don't know if we've covered this yet, and I can't believe we haven't because it's such a you know a cornerstone in any good recovery uh, program, but gratitude. Oh,
0: okay. Gratitude
1: so is probably the most important thing to me. Uh, In the world. Uh, I'm serious. Gratitude's what keeps me going. I want you to tell me three things that you're grateful for.
0: Come on. Shouldn't we do this on the Thanksgiving show? This... No. Like on Thanksgiving when we're sitting here with no food.
1: We've already stepped into the room of of gratitude, my friend. We can step right out. No, the door's locked behind us. We're in it. (laughs) All right. What are three things I'm grateful for today? Or... Any day. Uh,
0: okay, I mean, I'm grateful that I have uh, friends. Um, you'd be one of them. Yes. I, 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 I make up. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful that um, I got a nice place to live in what I consider to be uh, a really fine, delightful city. Um, and I got a business that works. So I got friends. I got a, a place to live, and I got a business. And I'm not all, not everyone can say that. Not everyone has friends and everyone has a place to live. And not everyone has a business. So that's what I'm grateful for. I'm also, I mean, there's more than three, obviously. I'm grateful that I have another opportunity today t- to be of service and uh, that I'm not in jail and that I'm not using people and, and uh, being a mess. So there's uh, a number of things, but those would be three that jumped out. What about you, Andy?
1: Okay. I'm grateful for... Uh, My family. I have a really, really good family, for sure. Uh, sometimes I embarrass them, and I use too much profanity, and I talk too much about my balls, and I touch my balls too much. Well, you talk about eating them. ass,
0: too. It's, it's a weird obsession. I
1: haven't for a while. So on Twitter, okay. um, I, I accumulated about 5,000 followers. Mm-hmm. got a healthy Twitter following. Mm-hmm. Years ago, it's because I followed and unfollowed a bunch of people. But That's terrible. It is. But then years later, I accumulated it rather organically by building a brand on Twitter where every tweet for like three years straight was about eating ass. Uh, every single one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just, wait a minute.
0: You just have a whole bunch of followers that like to eat ass.
1: No, no. They just thought it you. was a funny hook. All right. Everything that was happening in the news uh, <laughs> would be twisted to turn into a joke about eating butt. All right. Uh, but then my parents found me on twitter because mm-hmm. after a while when you googled andy gold comedy the first thing to pop up was actually my twitter feed okay that's where i had accumulated the most heat um and my mom sent me this big long text asking what happened and uh you know how important values are and everything like that so i had to stop tweeting about eating ass uh that's
0: why you stopped eating talking about eating ass yeah, not that so. you stopped eating ass. I think you probably eat ass. When I'm not looking, you're eating ass.
1: Um, I wouldn't wait for you to look away at my friend if <laughs> asked to eat. Yes. Um, I appreciate that. You're welcome. Because I want to
0: stare right at you just eating an ass somewhere. I would let you. i what kind of a friend I am. would you be quiet? Listen, let me what? ask you this. Um, why don't you just send something back to your uh, mom and go, you're just lucky I don't use heroin anymore. That's what I'd do. I'm going to um, keep eating ass. Oh, the the ass is the only eating ass is the only thing that keeps you from not slamming. No, I don't horse. To,
1: I don't have to say that because that's sort of an understood oh, okay. uh, thing. So she if, should get off your back. Had I never used heroin, had I gone on a mission and been the all American Mormon boy, mm-hmm. uh, they would have be astronomically more disappointed and outraged at my jokes and at my Twitter. Wow, feed. I got you. But because I put them through that kind of. You hell, set the
0: bar low. So
1: low. Correct. They're grateful just to kind of have me. Oh, I got you. And that's what. You want to hear a fun April Fool's joke? Wait a minute. Okay. It's about my parents using heroin.
0: Well, but don't you want to tell us the three things you're grateful for? That's where we started. Um,
1: I am grateful for stand-up comedy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What? You're just such a... I
0: don't know, man. When you've been doing comedy as long as me, you don't. I just wake up and I think I got jokes and gags. I love that you're still like... Uh, amused by the business. And no, it no, 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 not joy. the business.
1: The experience oh, of doing okay, it. Okay,
0: I agree with you there. Is what I'm grateful for. Yeah.
1: Um, I am very turned off with the industry. I feel like I've turned my back on the industry. I feel like the industry's not buying what I'm selling. them, And, you know, they can go to hell. They can eat your butt. They really can. But I don't think I need them to have a career doing comedy. You don't. But one thing that I still love is the experience of doing it. Right. Um, when I bomb... Most I, days. I, yeah, yeah. It's still like... Oof. I still feel something from it. Like mm-hmm. I still care very much about uh, doing well, and it still has an effect on me. When I do well, rarely... I just did not... No, quite, yeah, no yeah. you're, you're actually pretty funny, Andy. Yeah, All yeah. All right, go ahead. Um, I still get high from it, man. Um, I still fill that filling of, wow, that was, that was terrific. And it lasts into the night and, uh, it occupies all of my thoughts and it's exciting and I love it. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to have that kind of a thing in my life. I think my dad has it when he catches a beautiful rainbow trout. I think you have it when you go up and have a good set. You don't talk about it a lot, but I'm, I know it to be true. I know when you go up and and crush, uh, you know, with your awful cruise ship act, you come off and feel wonderful. Um. <laughs> I think your dad's excited when he shoots pelicans in the face. No, he's not. He sees that as a necessity to keeping his beloved trout.
0: That he's stolen from God.
1: Yes. Okay. No, and that he used uh, the tools that God bestowed okay, upon him. Okay, you know
0: what? I don't wanna, uh, it's the same so. excitement you have when you're, like, eating an ass.
1: Okay, so I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for the experience of... Uh, Doing stand-up comedy. Making people laugh. Yeah. Uh, And I am grateful for uh, waking up so often, for no apparent reason, despite my circumstances, with a basically cheerful mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, I have every reason to be one depressed person who looks at a six-foot rope with envious eyes. Wow. (laughs) Wow. But I'm not... I'm usually in a fairly good mood. Right now I'm sleeping on an air mattress in the front room of a chain smoker who is full of hate and contention. What the hell is that? And yet I'm pretty cheerful. And hopeful, as you always bust my balls for.
0: No, I, I know. That's you know, so... a lot
1: of comics would kill for a, a thing that we have, an actual niche, an actual audience, uh, an actual tour, you know, an actual way to do stand-up comedy.
0: And I think you know that there needs to be somebody like me that goes, it's not enough. And, and offer up the six-foot rope. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's no. kind of why we we work together. You're kind of the sun and I'm the moon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, yeah, you wake up cheerful, and I hate it, smiling. Like, you know, those weird babies you would see in the hospital that are just sitting there smiling. That's what you do. It's creepy, man. Yeah. And then I look at you and I go, why is that guy so happy? And then I go, oh, because he's rubbing his balls. And then <laughs> And I'm like... I'm like, why is this guy in my front room when it could be, you know, loaded with Latinas? And, uh, you know, um, and then, uh, but then, right, as the day goes on, I go, I'm exactly where I need to be, which is, you know, uh, with a stalled career, sitting here in my apartment, talking to a, a, a horrible opening act who has no desire to work cruises, who talks about eating ass. And I go, this yeah, is exactly yeah. where. I, This is punishment, man. (laughs) And so I accept the punishment from God. Acceptance is the biggest thing. I accept that my higher power has put me in this untenable, horrible prison with you and this little machine we're yelling into. Game over, Andy. It's (laughs) game over. So I could say that. Or the truth is, I'm hanging out with my buddy, Andy. And yeah, I'm going to be sad when you leave. Uh, When are you leaving? No, I'm going to be sad when you uh, leave because we had a good time, man. And uh, we connected and we made a podcast. If we don't have a baby together, this is our baby.
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to have a good 30 episodes backlogged by the time I leave, and then when we go on the road together in January uh, to Boston, Salt Lake City, um, is that all we got in No, January? we're going to Omaha and Minneapolis. Oh yeah, <laughs> Omaha and Minneapolis, and we'll have Lundahome on those episodes. So we'll be able to record another 10 or so in January, and another 10 or so in February. I'm getting March dates locked down for us. No, Here. I know.
0: I, I, look, I know, Annie. See, you're trying, to, you're trying to explain my joke. Obviously, it was a joke. Oh, I'm and, sorry. And, and you're like, let me tell you what's wrong with the joke. I was also just trying to tell you that, yeah, I, at the end of the day, I enjoy hanging out with you. So I enjoy you hanging
1: know. out with you, too. And I, I, uh, I shit on San Francisco a lot, deservedly so. There's some uh, really. There's a yes bomb. You should be fine, dude. We've we've covered eating ass right, in depth. Okay, they're not yeah, going to be startled by the ass bomb. Oh, okay. okay, all right. Your generation is bizarre. If you're more startled by the word shit,
0: no, I'm not kind of on stage. I'm not. But you know uh, what? There might be a child listening right now that, that that's going to go yell that at their mom, and then they go, "Where'd you get this?" And They'll go that
1: horrible podcast with <laughs> those ge- dudes that are
0: supposedly air quotes in recovery.
1: I get. You can be in recovery and use profanity. Okay? Uh, I don't think so. You absolutely can. And of course, <laughs> and of course there's children listening to it. It's the same people who bring their crying babies into meetings. Oh, Okay, okay they're in All the right. back of the car seat listening to it. So there's some ala baby out there yeah, listening. Yeah, yeah, right she's now. on her way to okay. a group right now with a stack full of court papers that need to get signed. Okay. Okay. Listening to you. Yep. With her crying baby back there. All right. And uh, God bless her. Okay. So we've talked about what we're grateful for. Now what I want to talk about, and I'm going to ask you this because I'm expecting some wisdom here. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> um, why is gratitude important in recovery? Oh, boy. Uh, why why, yeah. is, why is
0: gratitude because uh, you, you don't want to give away uh, the goodness um you know you don't want to give away the good feeling and the good things that are going on in your life you know you're not willing to risk those things uh, a lot of what we have is based on what we did yesterday and if we stayed sober and clean and we're legitimate with people then we get legitimate friends and we get legitimate hope and we get legitimate things to do um You know, it's when we are selfish and we do just what makes us happy and become a drag on society. That's when we lose those things. So it is the precursor to losing everything. When you stop being grateful and start being selfish, then you start to cut off the good feelings and the good things that are happening in your world. And that's why it's important we stay grateful
1: every single day. I think, yeah, I'll echo everything you say. That was lovely. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, No, that was nice. Also, I think gratitude is what makes life tolerable.
0: <laughs> okay. What? Not, I, I just, it sounds so
1: depressing the way I think gratitude makes life tolerable. You know what makes life tolerable is hope. Well, to echo the wise words of Morgan Freeman from the Shawshank Redemption, hope can also drive a man insane. But that cynical phrase was proven to be uh, most untrue, wasn't it? So I think I agree.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Freeman said it? Right. No,
1: because hope is what he, he was not being honest with himself. Uh, hope is what drove him to keep going to see the parole board to get out. Hope is what drove him to break his parole and head down to Mexico to meet his beloved friend Andy and hop on a boat in the Pacific. He was lying to himself about hope driving a man insane and how hope is actually a toxic and bad. He, uh, he was full of hope. Andy, what, but, what? how does
0: that help somebody who's new in recovery right now? That's like, I'm looking for anything to hold on to,
1: and Andy just told me, there's no hope. Game over. No, I didn't. I said, there's always hope, even when you're saying there isn't hope. Also, I want to say, forget about the logic of what I said and just focus on the beauty of it. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> you're you're gonna be like a creepy gaslighting president. <laughs> well, pay no attention
0: to what I said. Just the good feeling. Yeah, that just got. the
1: vibe you get from it, man. Like the vibe should be enough. Uh, All Mr. right, you Mr. don't need
0: facts, just vibing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take what I said and Does go. Never
0: work in court. <laughs> hey, listen. I know on paper I'm guilty, but the vibe of who I am. And
1: I don't know if you're paying attention to my story, but yeah, it's what got me on drug court. <laughs> sending out those good vibes.
0: All right. Yeah, I was supposed to go to prison. I think it's the higher power who intervened to keep your butt out of there
1: because you would have died. Higher power, bless me with the gift of vibes, my dude. All right. Okay.
0: Um, what was the April Fool's thing? I want to circle back, ADD. What was oh, the April Fool's prank on your parents or whatever?
1: I was, uh, uh, I was laying on the floor mm-hmm. um, with fake blood and a syringe and it, uh, to make it look like I overdosed. And when they... Uh, and then Relapse and Overdose. And they came home and I said, April Fool's.
0: Why would you do that?
1: <laughs> that what, That's so, that's terrible. That's right? a bit. That's a bit. I didn't really do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay,
0: yeah, because that would be, it's horrifying. And then, <laughs> yeah. No, that just made me sad for your parents. I mean, I would have laughed, I suppose, if, yeah, you were doing it as that character you are on stage, which is really kind of an asshole version of you. You know what I mean? The sweet guy, nobody's going to laugh at the sweet real Andy. But like that that version of you on stage, yeah, I mean, I get that
1: yeah it's an outlet to get all of my uh bad thoughts out there. okay. But for uh any uh any young people listening, uh, the bad thoughts are not racist or sexist or xenophobic, you can still book me at all of your safe spaces. <laughs> all right, and I'll not say anything that's going to uh besmirch the marginalized. Besmirch the marginalized. Yes. Okay. All right. We are approaching the 40-minute mark. I think we've knocked the hell out of this one, Jack. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and dig into the You say the that mail every day. Bag. Oh, this is for
0: you, uh, Andy. Uh, it's from Todd in Nashville. I work in the food and beverage business where there's lots of drinking and partying, and I want to stay sober, but my work is a trigger. What should I do? Oh. it's easy. Quit. Okay. You have one for me.
1: Let's not discount the validity of his question. All right. Um, well, I mean, I imagine, gosh, th- this is shitty because I feel like I have to give uh, direct advice, which I don't always like to do. Uh, but I reckon that's the point of these mailbags. We have that uh, precursor before the episode that nothing we say is medical advice and we're not very smart. Right. So hopefully he true. paid attention to that. Um, What's this guy's name? Todd? Todd in Nashville. Damn. There's probably tons of partying in Nashville, too. Um... You know, you could uh, take that resume you got and see if you can't get a job at uh, a place that's not so triggering. You know, maybe go to an Applebee's or something like that. Nice family restaurant at Chili's. You don't got to stay working this with is all really the co You're heads. telling everybody to go work at Chili's and not that there's anything wrong with Chili's or, you know. Okay. Here's the truth of it, Todd. I guess you got to choose between your career and your sobriety. Damn. That's a dismal choice. All right. But if you're a sharp guy who's built a big resume in the food and beverage industry, um, you know, I'm sure those skills and that intelligence uh, and that work ethic isn't just going to get flushed down the toilet because you switch career paths. And if you're a legit life-destroying alcoholic, you're not going to have that career path very much longer even if you stay in it. Okay? But you will be drinking yourself to death as well. So... Uh, If it's that bad, if it's going to drive you to drink, and if you're an alcoholic, then you really have no choice. It actually is that easy. Go and do something else, Todd. All right.
0: You know what I know, Andy? You're a really good friend of mine. And even though you know I'm an alcoholic, you've said to me if I'm having a bad day, you'd like you know make out with me, which I appreciate. Uh, But also, I'm pretty sure, like, if uh, (laughs) –
1: Yeah, if you if, felt like me making out with you would keep you from drinking, I would do it. No, nah, yeah, but I don't think so.
0: Uh, but like, so let's say, for instance, that I wanted to get some liquor and it was on sale like two miles away. I'm pretty sure you'd drive me to drink.
1: I would not. No, sir. That's I a cruise be. ship
0: joke. You oh, would drive me to drink. Yeah,
1: Oh, drive you to <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, meet us on the Lido deck at four for shuffleboard. Oh, my goodness gracious. Wordplay is so seldom funny. But it does get people to say, aha, I see what you did there. (laughs) Use a pun, go to jail. All right. I am, this is John from Kansas City. Great barbecue. All right. I recently quit drinking. I love my dad, but he is a full-on alcoholic. Holidays are coming up, and I want to hang out with my family, but I know there's going to be lots of booze, and I know my dad is going to be drinking really heavily. How do I continue hanging out with my dad? okay, um here's the funny
0: answer uh wait till he blacks out, then show up um there's no rim shot to that uh honestly i everyone's different with this. I know like my first holidays I went in for a short period of time, meaning that i would uh i was yeah and my and my family doesn't drink a lot, so um. I think you limit your time. You're like, I'm going to stay for an hour or two hours. I mean, you make an appearance, you say hi to everybody. But if it's slippery, you get out of there. Um, as far as your dad goes, obviously, you can't get him to stop drinking. It's a decision he needs to make on his own. But, you know, you can always, you know, just protect yourself, whatever that means. If if I can't show up, you know, don't show up this year. And you don't need to give him a big lecture about, oh, there's too much drinking or whatever. Just, just say, look, I'm with friends um, or I'll give you a call or I'll stop in for a tiny bit, but yeah, uh, um, protect yourself from what's going on. Um, as far as your dad goes, uh, you know, uh, at some point, Al-Anon, by the way, is great to like learn how to deal with family members that, uh, uh, that you can't, they're not going to change and, and find a way, you know, what's theirs and what's yours. Cause the truth is alcoholics, we're addicted to alcohol and people that are in Al-Anon, they're addicted to the alcoholic. So um, even though it's your dad, you can love your dad and not spend time with him. I took a year off from my mother when I first got sober. Um, and, uh, I told her what was up though. I didn't lie to her. I said, look, mom, and a lot of stuff comes up when I'm around you just know I'm okay. I love you very much. And, and, uh, I'm just working on myself. And I know that hurt my mom cause truly she, she loved me more than anything else. Uh, but it's what I needed. And, uh, after that she and I had a really great relationship until she, uh, she passed. And, uh, Really, the reason why she died was she heard Andy's act and said, this is awful. There is no hope. And like Morgan Freeman, she got on a boat.
1: All right. There you have it, everybody. Curtis's mom on a boat. <laughs> um, today was a lovely episode. Addicts Comedy Podcast, the one and only the podcast of your dreams. But unlike the Titanic, it will not sink. They called Titanic the ship of dreams. I didn't know that. This man. thing will plow through those icebergs. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Deliver Jack and Rose safe to the harbor, and all those rich dicks can go into the streets. You're here. All There's right.
0: Nothing to Thanks fear. Thanks for joining me today, Curtis. And my heart. See all ya. Right,
1: that's enough.